0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. And today... Double time. Double time. We've got an incredible guest in the studio with us today, David Gibbs III. He's the president and general counsel for the National Center for Life and Liberty. David is a multiple-time guest on I Work For Him, and today I've requested this interview back in January because I knew what we were going to be facing come just six weeks from next Tuesday. We've got astronomical, worldwide, global, influential elections coming up in our country. And what do you know about your candidates? And what do you know from the perspective of the judiciary? What do you know from the perspective of What's really happening out there? How how will either of these candidates impact your religious liberties? How will either of these candidates treat your freedom of religion, your freedom from oppression of the government? How will they impact you and your workplace and your ability to live out Jesus where you are? Well, there is nobody I know better equipped to answer those questions than David Gibbs III, President and General Counsel of the National Center for Life and Liberty. David, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, I love being here
1: with you. I love your energy. I love the spunk of the program. And I love the emphasis because, you know, you are working for somebody. And, you know, sadly, uh, lots of Christians get distracted by the the money or the power of this world and the fact that you're encouraging people each and every day to make their lives count for Him. It's my joy to be with you.
0: I appreciate that. You know, we've done some phenomenal shows in the past. And one of the shows I like to always reference people back to, especially when they ask me, Jim, what are my rights in the workplace? And we did a show about a year and a half or maybe even two years ago that specifically drilled out for people. If you're in a small business, here's what your rights are. If you're in a medium business, here's what your rights are. If you're a government employee, here's what your rights are. If you're in a big business, here's what your rights are. And it was so clear. And I have used that almost like an encyclopedia session for people to help people understand. But today, the emphasis has got to be on the election. And it seems like for the last 30 years, for sure the last 24 years, it seems like the next election is the most critical election we've ever had before. And it seems like this one is really critical because we don't have neither either candidate, we don't really know where they stand with the Lord. Either candidate, neither of them, under normal circumstances of the past history of the United States of America, would even be running against each other they wouldn't have been there if there wasn't such turmoil and some such anti-establishment in there right now donald trump wouldn't be a candidate and if we were actually no i'm not going to go there they just it, there is so much pushing i mean hillary clinton was chosen as the next presidential candidate 16 18 years ago when bill got out of office it was just gonna be hers so we've got these two candidates but there's a lot. I mean, I lived under Jesse the Body Ventura in Minnesota, so I know what it's like to have a way-out-of-the-box candidate to, to, as the governor. Donald Trump is very much Jesse the Body-like, sometimes even with the press. I think there's a little, there's a lot more business sense there. And, and I don't want to go political. I don't want to throw one way or the other, but I really want to get reality out there, because sure. a lot of people don't know, how's this going to impact well, me? Let me?
1: Let me say this, Jim, because I think, you know, just to help people think through some thoughts, first of all, In America, we have become a celebrity culture, okay? I mean, nobody is sitting down saying, let's look at the bios and the experience of these people and let's evaluate where they're at in positions and let's kind of think through. I mean, the reality is we're in the soundbite, Uh, We're in the one sentence, the one word. I mean, Donald Trump has demonstrated, like, in his tweets and other things, I mean, he can just put a word out, you know, uh, crooked Hillary, and all of a sudden everybody grabs it, or lying candidate, or little, or, you know, he just throws low energy, you know, he grabs a word, and he's very masterful with the media, and we're in a celebrity culture, and um, we're looking at debates and other things that are shattering records for televised events, and so in some bizarre way, our political process has almost become not just U.S. entertainment, but worldwide entertainment. (sighs) And,
0: but And they're talking about it all over the world. They're talking about
1: it. Well, and Christians are almost saying, you know, Mr. Gibbs, I don't like either of the candidates. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a lesser of evil selection for me. But I always want to start with this premise. If we don't vote for the lesser of evil... The worser of evil always wins. And so somebody says, I'm just going to sit out. I'm just sick of the whole thing. Well, at that point, you've just handed your vote to the other side. And so I always encourage folks on principle, number one, register. And there's still time, many places where you can register to vote in this election. Number two, vote. Okay, but let me throw this thought out. Vote intelligently. Now, I mean, obviously, Trump, Clinton, people are familiar with the presidential races, but there's a lot of other races at a local level where you can Big have time. tremendous influence, okay? I mean, I just sat with a governor in the state of Kentucky that won his primary with less than 100 votes. So you think about 100 people in a whole state were able to put a Christian man in office and, and that has huge consequences in elections. So th- vote intelligently. Know who's running. In the Internet world, there's no excuse not to even know where the dog catcher stands on things. Just Google it up, look at their name, see what they're doing. And then this is a challenge, and this is a little more spiritual. Vote your values. See, I think a lot of Christians say, well, what's in it for me financially or what's in it for me healthcare wise or retirement? And they're willing to basically kick the can down the road and throw a huge debt on the next generation, and they'll vote for a candidate that may not be pro-life or pro-Israel or pro-family, and they'll go ahead and say, well, financially, that may be in my best interest, and we're seeing the carnage in our culture from those decisions. So very, very important, And, and I'm a big believer that we have the privilege in this country to vote and to directly influence our government, and that is a privilege we should take seriously and make sure we do it as under the Lord.
0: And if people had followed that advice, eight years ago and four years ago, significant uh, erosion in our country, in our constitutional rights, would not have happened if people would have just listened to what you just said.
1: Absolutely. But
0: but they just said, "Well, I don't like the candidates, so I'm not going to vote." And look what we've gotten. I mean, we've it's it's un believable. And if you don't if you're not familiar with what's happened, wait till you hear the stories that David has to say about how the the lawsuits that he's been fighting in defending the rights of Christ followers across the country. We're talking to David Gibbs the third today, president and general counsel of the National Center for Life and Liberty. Today's discussion is going to be on the edge of edgy. Not just because it's a dangerous selection of of topics for me because it's political. But I'm not going I'm not endorsing a political party what i'm trying to endorse is sanity in the united states of america and let me just make this point before we get back with david gibbs III third from the national center for life and liberty it, it it somebody's going to get elected to be the president but god is still on the throne and we need to recognize that god appoints those that lead and but we have a role in this country we are given the privilege the privilege that hundreds of thousands of people have died to protect and you and I have the right and the responsibility to vote. And it is absolutely pathetic, here comes my soapbox, that hundreds of thousands of Christ followers sat their big moldy butts on a chair and didn't vote in the last couple of elections. And David is here to tell us of how that impacted us and what happens if you do it again. We've got a right to vote. It is a privilege. And I just beg you to consider that privilege as a God-given right. David Gibbs third with the National Center for Life and Liberty. Welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, I'm thrilled to be here, and i got to add to
1: your point. I don't think it was thousands or hundreds of thousands. I think it was millions of so-called evangelical voters. Now, you know, labels can get thrown around, but lots of folks sat out. And when your voice doesn't speak, You allow the other side, those that hold values that are anti-God, anti-religious liberty, anti-Israel, anti-life, you can run to anti-family, you can go down the list, and they are given power. Um, People look back at, like, the Houston mayor that was advancing a transgender bathroom thing and, you know, wanted to subpoena the pastors, and and she's an open lesbian in office. Somebody says, how did that happen? You know what happened? In Houston, Texas, with lots of big churches, nobody voted. Okay, under 10% of the voters even went to the polls. That's how that person was able to secure office. And so you sit there and say, well, that became a big national story. And why was that a huge issue? And why did Mr. Gibbs and the National Center for Life and Liberty have to go defend all these pastors and work on this issue? Because the Christian people, the concerned citizens, let's even use a broader term, the normal people, the, the sane voters didn't go vote. Well, then you let the extremes, you let the radicals, those that have a agenda, and they want to take your tax dollars and they want to advance their agenda through government. And so we do need to realize there is huge power to go forward. But churches, workplaces face tremendous consequences. I mean, if you just take what we're watching across the nation right now, the LGBTQ agenda exploding in government and workplaces, all these different things where religious liberty is being trampled. Uh, earlier this week, uh, I was in Kentucky where, I mean, a clerk was actually arrested and, and put in jail, and a number of them faced jail for just not wanting to solemnize with their signature same-sex marriage. And you say, how does that happen in a workplace? Well, how that happens is when Christian people don't vote, and the people in power are able to make these decisions. And, and people can debate about the Obama administration, but I think we can certainly say three things, kind of work together. We have an administration that for the last eight years has been sort of soft on Islam. People debate where his faith is, but they're soft on Islam. They're hard on Christians and they're pro-homosexual. Now, you take those three tentacles. I think we, liberals and um Christians could agree, yeah, the administration's been pretty soft on Islam, pretty hard on Christians and pro-homosexual in their ideology. And you see those decisions playing out. And it's very important to realize that the president has a lot of ability to influence policy, not just in the bully pulpit, but with regulations, with standing, even overseeing uh, the military and the federal government. There well, is and, a and, and huge and, workplace you, under you, their control.
0: I don't know, you're the expert, but I, I mean, you, you can't leave out – We've added ten trillion dollar, dollars in debt. The military is as small now as it was right at World War II. We've, we've shrunk it down. We have more racial, interracial unrest than we have had since the '60s, and it's and the economy is just well here in Florida for sure. I know Texas is different, but the economy just eking. Yep. I mean, I mean, so the, and and if they vote for Hillary. Is there going to be any change to what's going on?
1: No, I think you can look for an acceleration of really the Obama administration. And and here's how I describe the candidates. I mean, and, and people can agree or disagree with this. I call them a foot-on-the-gas or foot-on-the-brake candidate. Okay, somebody says, I don't see anybody that's going to stop the car, or turn around, and get America in the right direction. Well, I'd sooner have somebody put their foot on the brake and try to slow things down a little bit. And I I would view a Trump administration as, hey, let's leave the churches alone. Let's slow things down a little bit. Let's try to get our economy back. Let's try to get some sanity to our citizenship and other things. I would see a Clinton administration as a foot on the gas. We are going to just move forward. And I could see things like the tax exemption of churches being revoked if they don't accept same-sex marriages or accept the fact you can't speak against certain sins in the bible now by the way that's what's in canada That's what's in other civilized nations. So, I mean, you need to realize they're going to begin putting that type of pressure on. And I think people need to realize that the the president has lots of authority, lots of power, but they're the commander-in-chief over the military. So if you're concerned about the military, look at who you put in that office. And then number two, they appoint Supreme Court justices. Now, we know the Senate's to confirm, and there's a little bit of a process, but the reality, these Supreme Court justices sit on there for life. When I'm before the Supreme Court... I often view it like nursing home ministry. There's walkers, there's wheelchairs, there's life support. You keep your oxygen tank, you keep your voice up, and you hope they don't fall asleep. And I'm being a little facetious, but the reality is they're on their end of their 90s. Okay, these people—and by the way, before he died, Justice Scalia said— you know, why should five out of nine lawyers control the destiny or the definition of marriage, the future of our country? It's a great question, but they're way too powerful from what they were intended to be. They were to be the least powerful branch. And then the debt is creating a colossal nightmare. I mean, our government takes in two trillion. We spend three trillion that's a one-third deficit now you can't do that I can't do that businesses can't do that churches can't do that a one-third deficit will crush you and you're you're already describing the snowballing the 20 tr- I mean it's just it's a never-ending well you know what we're doing we're not by the way building airports roads bridges our infrastructure is falling apart we're consuming it all on you know basically disposable programs and, and a little perk here and there for people and we're handing the next generation a debt that nobody we don't have anything to show for it It's not like we can say, well, we've built a country where you can look at this infrastructure for the next 50 years and we'll amortize it. We've consumed it all, and we're handing them a falling apart infrastructure and forcing them to pay a debt for money that they never got to spend.
0: Let's take a step back for a minute and talk about the ministry, the business of the National Center for Life and Liberty. Talk to me about what you guys, why you reformed and what you guys do on a day-to-day basis.
1: Well, we are, um, again, a national ministry. Uh, We have uh, offices in Florida, Texas, California, Ohio, D.C., and I really do three things, Jim. Uh, Number one, I litigate cases. I am a trial attorney. I defend churches, nonprofits, crisis pregnancy centers, schools. I defend individual rights. I was the attorney for Terry Schiavo's parents. And then I also do cases that are in the public interest. Uh, These are oftentimes government cases. I mentioned before we went on the air, we had a nice win this week uh, in North Carolina uh, representing a a county commission there before the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, where prayers in Jesus' name were under attack. And two to one, we won, where they said, you know what, we disagree with the ACLU. Um, prayer is uh, constitutional, even if it includes the name Jesus. And so that was a a nice win this week. But that's our litigation ministry. I've been at it uh, since 93, an old Duke Law grad, just fighting cases for Jesus in the courtroom. So like you said, I work for him. I litigate for Jesus. A lot of times my clients will have names, but really I'm representing Jesus Christ in courtrooms. Number two, we work with policymakers both in uh, Tallahassee at a state level, D.C. on a federal level, and you've already nailed it. I mean, the, the the Congress is a mess. We meet with them weekly. Um, they forgot what it's like to have a real job. I mean, I, I speak for folks that actually have house payments, car payments, and some of those congressmen need to get sent home and get a real job. They've forgotten what it's like, and and we try to limit. <laughs> we should their get our vote.
0: presidents to have real jobs before they get to be president.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're we're being a politician is not a full time vocation or a wealthy vocation. I mean, how did the Clintons leave? You know, whatever, fifty million in debt for legal fees from the whole scandals and impeachment. Now they're worth hundreds of millions. And then, you know, I do think that whole foundation thing is a really spooky conflict of interest. Why should international interest or even terrorist groups be able to influence our elections or our government? Interesting thoughts to think about, but we try to influence the government. And then number three, I try to be a voice in the culture. Honored to be on your broadcast. Love your voice, your leadership. You do this each and every day. I do some Fox News, television, I do other outreaches. I do seminars for churches. By the way, let me throw a little plug in. October 20th uh, in the Tampa Bay area, but if you want to look at others, Uh, You can go to ncl.org. We've got a legal seminar for church and ministry leaders. But uh, we do that as an outreach, um, wanting to help keep churches free in these ever more complicated days. And so, uh, again, if somebody says NCLL, National Center for Life and Liberty, um, we are uh, in Tampa Bay and across the nation doing cases and work. And uh, they can visit our website, ncl.org, or I'll give you something trendy. If you want to text the word liberty to 313131, it'll kind of kick back through your phone. Don't do it while you're driving, but if you're sitting somewhere, the word liberty to 313131. And if you can't spell liberty, my friend, that's not good for you. So uh, we are certainly honored to help folks across the nation.
0: I am concerned because of the apathy in the voter rolls. I am angered when people say I'm not going to vote for Hillary, but I'm a never-Trumper. And I'm like, I want to shake people. I want to hit people upside the head. I'm not going to vote, or I'm just not going to vote. I- I'm like, really? I-, I don't. You don't understand what a privilege we have. Talk to some people in some other countries who have given up that right, and do they regret that? But we only have so much time on here, and you're such an expert in this. Listen, you've been litigating, as you said, since 1993. I know you've taken many cases to the Supreme Court. In the last eight years, I know you've seen things that maybe you never thought you would have to defend, that you never thought that it would get this way. But what has changed in the last eight years? What have you seen in these last eight years under President Obama, and his administration that you that you that, that you've had to fight in court to protect people's rights that you never ever saw before?
1: Well, I think we can certainly say there has been an explosion where things that historically were deemed as evil are now being promoted as virtuous. I mean, we're we're living in a day where marriage, gender identity, sexuality, you know, procreation of children, I mean things that were kind of cultural givens and just how this is going to work. Now everything has changed very dramatically. I mean, I'll illustrate it in the real world. i sat down with a, a teacher in um, North Carolina. And by the way, this is a national issue, okay? And she's been there. She's trying to be a, a good Christian influence in her workplace. And she shows me the email. This isn't confusion. I mean, it's in black and white from her principal saying, here are six children that you will have in your high school classes, okay, that have decided they're going to be a different gender, Okay, so um, this child wants to be called by this name, even though their legal name is this, and wants these pronouns. So little boy, but he wants female pronouns. But here's the part, and, and that's shocking and bizarre that teachers would have to even deal with this, all coming out of Washington, all being part of the Obama administration mandates. But here's the part that's sad. And to protect the privacy of the children, you're not allowed to tell their parents. So this child has said, my parents don't know that I'm a girl at school. So, when the parent teacher meetings or when they call you or anything, you know, be sure don't let the cat out of the bag. So, basically, teachers, we want you to lie to the parents and not disclose what these children are doing. Now, the insanity of that I mean, first of all, you know, letting these kids have these choices is nuts. Okay. But number two, we now have teachers being told, we're going to protect what these kids want to do and we're going to lie to the parents. And that almost makes the teachers complicit in the whole agenda. And that has all exploded nationally, really, in the last year or two. Yeah,
0: You're talking North Carolina, not Northern California. No. And that's what's shocking to me is some of the garbage that's come out of the South. It's a 50-state
1: mandate. Now, now, let me explain something. Up in New England, they're like, oh, yeah, we've been doing this for years. I mean, okay, so there's been an assault on what we might call – traditional parental values, parental rights, and traditional liberties. But in the South, they're being told, do this or we're going to pull your funding. So it's a Washington control. Um, ultimately, what the government pays for, they're going to kind of control. That's kind of a fundamental concept. But they're putting the hammer on these folks. I mean, and, and look at what's going on in North Carolina, even just with the crazy bathroom bill. I mean, here you're looking at huge entities, the NBA, the NCAA, the ACC, pulling out hundreds of millions of dollars in lost revenue just because a state says, you know, we want people to kind of use the bathroom they were born with and try to protect the privacy of our citizens. Um, These are the kind of issues that we're watching explode in workplaces, in contract issues. I mean, look at this dynamic. Tim Tebow kneels to pray, and people go, well, that's inappropriate, and you shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's pushing your religion, yada, yada, yada. And yet we got the guy in uh, Kaepernick out in San Francisco. He won't stand for the national anthem. He's almost in the Tebow position, albeit not praying. He's just kneeled down on one knee. And we have the president of the United States and the country saying, well, that's his free speech. And isn't that wonderful? He's taking a stand. Yeah, okay. Now, you look at those two pictures <laughs> and you say, that is the moral insanity of America. Reign
0: me in, Lord, because that kind of stuff sends me skyward. Listen, all right, all right David, there's it's there's gridlock. And just for those people that are tuning on right now, there's gridlock in Washington. It's been restinking really ridiculous for the last, wow, I can't even tell you how many years. Since 2006, really, gridlock has been, been in place. Does it really matter who the president is?
1: Absolutely it matters. And, and Jim, we've mentioned, but let me just reiterate, they're overseeing the military, other than the funding, which comes through the Congress, with almost unlimited authority. So just on that issue alone, if you say, I'd like to see chaplains treated fairly, I'd like to see a little less of the LGBTQ agenda in the military. That's all in the White House. Educational policy, all in the White House. IRS policy, coming out of the White House. But a huge one, and I want folks to realize this, Supreme Court nominees that could influence what, if God tarries is coming, your children, your grandchildren.
0: But why is this such a big deal? I mean, we, we've got eight justices right now. they got one they need to choose. I get that. They have one. So we're, we're short of justice right now. But why is that such a big deal? I mean, it, it, just one guy that's going to get chosen.
1: Well, one is sitting there waiting to be chosen if Obama's nominee isn't ultimately confirmed. But the reality is they're looking at maybe four or five that are going to pass or retire soon. So you'll influence this court for generations to come.
0: Staggering, staggering, staggering. If you don't understand the significance of that, just look at the the changeover of the Supreme Court over the last 30 years. The choices that were made 30 years ago have an impact on us, today you're listening to i work for him with your host jim brangenberg as we talk with david gibbs III third from the national center for life and liberty find him online at ncll.org six weeks from tuesday if i've counted my clock right may only be five weeks from tuesday but whatever it is it's coming up really really fast the 8th of november ladies and gentlemen you need to make sure you're registered to vote you need to make sure that you have set aside time on that day to vote your vote is critical do not, if anybody in front of me stands up and say, well, I just didn't want to vote because I didn't like the candidates. When you're sitting in prison for your faith, don't come whining to me. Sorry. That just, come whining to me because I'll, right. I'll, I'll come comes, visit you in right. prison. That's they, right. They, they, they don't, don't let, fight your case. They don't
1: let family in on the holidays, but the attorneys are always allowed in. So we'll, we'll be there for you.
0: But I mean, we need to understand. I mean, literally, David, you've seen the, d- I don't even know the right word, but the, It's cascaded. The the, the degradation of our society in the last eight years.
1: It's exploded. And let me say one thing, Jim, because I travel a lot. Okay? I just want to lay this out.
0: That's like saying there's traffic in Tampa.
1: But here's the bottom line. (laughs) Because he travels a million miles a year. In the state of Florida, sign up online if you're a snowbird or you travel a little bit. Be a permanent absentee. They mail you the ballot. So, I mean, you can sit at home and do it. Okay, so I – and somebody says, ah, finding my poll, messing with it, going in – you know, and some people enjoy it. That's great. But here's the reality. It's now in the Internet era. There's no excuse for you to let your vote be wasted. So, again, be registered. Plan to be there on the 8th. If you can't go on the 8th, plan to be absentee. But do it all online, but get yourself set up while you still got time.
0: All right. I'm going gonna, gonna to get a little ornery. Hey, by the way, thanks to Angel Williams for calling in from Plant City. We'll get that book out to you early next week. Thanks for being a no listener wait, and work work
1: Jim, ornery? I, I'm not even sure that. I mean, you know, okay, I, here, I, I would have thought they got you all regulated. Fine.
0: We vote for Trump. We vote for these great candidates for the Senate, for the House, for our local districts. But you're seeing all kinds of videos over there, all over the Internet, on how easy it is to manipulate the vote counters. Yes. How concerned are you about that? Because then how do you – I mean, literally, you've seen – they had a video of a guy. I watched a guy. In five minutes, he manipulated the system to make it vote totally the opposite of what you voted.
1: Well, we want to hope, okay, (laughs) we want to hope that the Secretary of State's and their equivalents, those that are over the election commissions – And all we can do at this point is hope that the people with an interest in this, the big parties and certainly the candidates, are going to be hiring watchers, monitors, and be able to, you know, with the exit polls, you know, who'd you vote for? They're able to get some indication as to where the vote should be. And so the hope and prayer is that there's still a fairness in our system. Now, can I get radical? Maybe this is a little down the trail. Uh, I'm not a fan of internet voting. Because at some point, if it just turns into online computer without any verification, without any ability to certify who's actually voting, you and I both know the manipulation that could occur is rampant. We also know, and let's just talk candidly, fraud, dead people voting, felons voting, old people that don't vote, they're sitting in some memory care unit, people are voting for them. I mean, so there is stuff going on. That is troubling. And I'm kind of a fan of making maybe voting a
0: little more, you know. Rudimentary? Show an ID. Yeah, How about a pencil? Yeah, well. And and paper. I mean, yesterday, Yahoo, 500 million accounts hacked. Oh, just gone. Okay, the, the Russians have gotten all of Hillary's emails. We couldn't get them. We couldn't get them in our own country. And they got them. Somewhere else.
1: Well, maybe those missing IRS ones, we ought to ask the Russians to look for them. They probably got them, they too. Probably, I mean, you I'm know, sure they craziness.
0: do. I mean, so, okay.
1: So hey, Can I say one thing? I don't, that, can that, you say one thing? You got me wound up on this email thing. You're the secretary of state. Okay. You are a former first lady. Your husband was president for eight years. Okay. You understand protocols. You understand security. You understand confidentiality. I'm not buying at all this, you know, I was just a little confused. I thought it was okay to have it at my home. There is no question that that is a gargantuan lapse of judgment. But I'll tell you what it really shows, and you see this in both candidates, huge arrogance. Mm, you know, monstrous. It, I mean, I can do what I want to do. I'm Hillary Clinton. I'm beyond, really, the law. And, and I think, basically, she's probably proven that. Okay. And, and by the way, Mr. Trump... Has an ego big enough to engulf.
0: The two of them are enormously egotistical. I mean, you. you Narcissistic. You, it's all about I, it, me. I mean, we, you see that. You people, know. people were arguing with me six months ago and say, Jim, how is it possible he ended up with these two candidates? I said, people, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump represent the society we live in today.
1: We worship celebrity and we worship self promotion. And we candidly don't value and, and, humility.
0: And we had our first black president. Now we want our first woman president. Why couldn't we find people of integrity? Why couldn't we find? There are some phenomenal women candidates out there. that would have been unbelievable. But it, you know, here it is. It, we're going to see it. I saw that video after the 9-11 thing that she went to. Hillary, I think that those those emails were hidden. Because she's got a health issue, she doesn't want anybody to know about, and that was the only way to hide it. I I am convinced that's what it is. I think that's what Julian Assange is going to bring out. But that's conspiracy, and I don't know that it'll impact the well, election and, anyway. And, and let me say this too: both of these
1: candidates are a little older. Yeah, I mean they're they're going in, you know, in their late sixties, early seventies to assume a very high stress, long term job. I mean, you got to look at both of these candidates maybe as one termers. Whether they'll have the health for eight years remains to be seen. Um, but I do think, and I'm just going to be brutally candid, health is part of the job. Now, you know, I think if there are things that are being hidden from the American people about the health of either candidate, yeah. okay, okay, I think that is an unfair fraud. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be, you know, any one of us, but for the grace of God, could have a health issue tomorrow. A friend of mine... Um, well, in his- we,
0: got, we got to rescue the conversation, because Go. we've got people who need to hear some stuff. People part need to line. hear how, how if, if Hillary's elected or Donald's elected, you know, how are they going to impact... Business, healthcare, housing, interest rates, religious liberty, and race relations—different shades of brown. How are how are these going to impact? So this is just your opinion, but I want people to hear it. And, and people, honestly, I just want you to vote for somebody of integrity. And, and I'm not. And that's when you look at the Senate and you look at the House. There are hundreds of elections going on around this country. It is not just for the president and the and the vice president of either candidate or of either party. This is huge. The, the, but. Do not lose sight of this, but this could impact. So based on what you've seen in the past eight years, and everybody seems to think Hillary will carry on or go forward with, with what Obama has done and Donald will do something different, and, and Donald and is egotistical, who, however he is. Neither of them are submitting to the Lordship of Jesus that we know of. How do you see it impacting businesses small and large?
1: Well, business, number one, Trump will be a pro-business candidate. I think he'll see less regulation, Less taxes, more business opportunity. Can Him, they
0: undo? Can they undo some of the ridiculous regulations, like the destruction of the coal industry, like the, the this healthcare burden that has been yes. that has saddled business around the country? If
1: the Congress is in sync with the President, if you have a Congress that is supportive of less regulation, more freedom for business, you will see that. Now, Clinton will continue, as you said, more regulation. Uh, will continue with a mindset of higher taxes more corporate pay-in, which, again, I I think businesses should pay their fair share. We're not saying they shouldn't pay taxes, but you have to look at what promotes jobs and the economy here. And uh, one thing that I would hope Trump would do, but maybe Clinton would do more of this, I think we also need to watch that we're not exporting our jobs at the level we have been. And that's been a Republican problem. I mean, we we, we build all the iPhones over in China, but then we pay for them all over here. Uh, there's no reason why Americans couldn't screw together iPhones. So the reality is I do hope in being pro-business, I hope Donald uh, doesn't just follow the Republican playbook, but actually says the middle class in America is worthy of protection. So when I fuel a pro-business mindset, it's also a pro-jobs mindset. But, and,
0: and you need to hear it from me. Those of you listening to me, this is, you know, there's just as many problems with the Republican Party as there is the Democratic Party. I mean, they have they have all ignored the needs of the average United States American citizen. They've all been pandering to themselves. And there's so much danger in that because there's so much power in Washington. Okay, that's on business. What about health care? Hillary versus Donald.
1: Uh, Hillary will move towards, in my opinion, a single-payer government system. We will all be on socialized medicine. Um, Donald will move us back to kind of what we had more before, a dismantlement of Obamacare. We'll still have Medicare, we'll still have Medicaid, but it will be more of a private employer dynamic, and people will be able to decide, you know what, I'm reasonably healthy, I don't want to have health care, and I don't think Donald Trump will make you pay for something you don't necessarily want.
0: Let's talk about religious liberty. Religious liberty under Hillary or under Donald? Under Donald.
1: Hillary will advance more control of religion, and if you tow the party line, i.e. you don't advocate against uh, certain sins like homosexuality, um, things will be status quo, but you'll see an infringement on religious liberty in the workplaces and the churches and even the revocation of tax-exempt status of churches and nonprofits that are not pro-homosexual. Donald Trump, I think you'll see pretty much a status quo and a little bit of a foot on the brake. I think you'll kind of see Donald Trump say things like, hey, gay marriage, just leave it alone, but don't mess with the churches. I think you'll see him kind of take a, let's just let things kind of continue as they have. Um, I don't see him aggressively fighting for religious liberty, but I do see him saying, let's not infringe. We need to let the faith of all people be respected in our culture.
0: And we need to keep in mind, too, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, both of them are, 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 I mean, pray for these people. They're both in my opinion and I don't know, I don't know their hearts but both pre-Christian. They're both they're both potentially Christ followers. Are you praying for your candidates that you know and love? Are you are you praying for their souls? Are you praying for their hearts to be transformed by Christ? Because anybody can come to Jesus. A Roman ruler came to Christ and adopted Christianity as the Roman religion. It's possible. We need to be praying for the hearts of these people because Jesus can restore and redeem anyone. We need to keep that in mind. So, okay, we've got a couple minutes till the break. What about executive orders? Because that's something that under, even under Bush, who had hundreds of executive orders, what about, uh, I don't know, under Obama, uh, over a thousand? What what do you, what do you think? That, and I always look at it as that's kind of a sort of almost abuse, the right and law. What yeah. do you think under either one of them?
1: It's an absolute constitutional abuse, and I'm going to give you my prediction. They're both going to do it. I think Trump will do it because of his ego and his frustration. He's going to want to get things done. He's used to people, you know, you're fired. Well, you can't always do that in Washington. He's going to want to. (laughs) Hillary, she's watched the power of that for Obama and her husband as well as the Bushes. So I think you're going to see both of them abuse their authority. And remember, our Constitution was intended to be a limited government. The White House is out of control. The Congress isn't doing their job. Supreme Court's beyond where they should be. The reality, Jim, I think both of them will probably be asserting too much authority.
0: When we come back, really want to talk about how is how are either one of the candidates going to impact our free speech, our ability to speak freedom? about our religion and also what do you think it's going to impact immigration this immigration thing is so touchy because as Christ followers we want to express love to everybody but we all want those people to abide by the law that we're expected to abide by law abiding citizens and pre-citizens try to come here naturally and there's 20 or 30 million people that have not and we're supporting them instead of charging them taxes so many different things we want to pray for a miracle for our country this is all about bringing Christ to our workplaces so we have a genuine chance to bring a touch of Jesus Christ to those people we work alongside, remembering that your workplace, it's your mission field, whether that's the White House or the outhouse. And in your mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. This calling on your life, regardless of what you do, is monstrous. And your faith today, not your political faith, your faith today in Jesus Christ is what will impact this country, not your political party. And just David Gibbs the Third's wisdom and knowledge on, he sees how our liberties are being uh, crushed by, by politics, by politicians, by laws, by justices. David, there's an amazing—more laws have been written by judges, the judiciary in the last eight years, this is my opinion, than by Congress. But I think it may even be true. I mean, it seems like they just—they're they're, not—what uphold the, what I learned in social studies was they're supposed to uphold the law. Correct, but when they don't like what the law says, they just do their own thing. They're supposed to interpret
1: it, not make interpret it. Law, in. and, right. Interpret law, that's right. And Jim, the law. let me say this to you: whether Congress, you know, names a post office or passes a few things along the way, the reality is their laws can be overturned by the Supreme Court or themselves. The Supreme Court, they're their own judge. I mean, the reality is when they say. Back in 1973 that abortion is legal, that becomes, quote, the law, and nobody can overturn it except the Supreme Court itself. So that's where I think people get frustrated. It's the power of that court to define marriage, to define life, to define these issues, and it just seems like there's no way to really impact them. All right, we only have three minutes left. Fire away. Hillary versus Donald on Free Speech um Hillary is going to limit your free speech on the radio. You're going to see things like the fairness doctrine where if you talk about one thing, you got to bring in something else, try to balance out politics and religion. Uh, Donald, status quo, he's going to be a free speech guy. He's just, you know, he's not going to like it if you criticize his business, but he's made a living off of being kind of snarky on the internet and other places, and so he'll be more supportive of free speech.
0: Is there anything
1: that causes you to lose sleep about this
0: upcoming election?
1: Um, The apathy of the people in America. I am honored to preach. I'm honored to be on media. I'm honored to be on your broadcast. Uh, I have the opportunity to help serve a lot of folks, and I'm glad to do it. But there's maybe just a little spirit of hopelessness, and I would just encourage folks, we can make a difference. Um, I was just down in the Cayman Islands. They were beginning to wonder whether they should follow the lead of America and change their definition of marriage. You know what? Almost 4,000 people showed up on an island of 50,000, and the government said, we're going to leave marriage alone. Okay, the people let their voice be heard. I was just in Kentucky where— We what- let
0: our voice be heard in this country. We had referendum after referendum, a cr- constitutional amendments in every state, and the government said— screw you i don't care about you states we're going to tell you what to do
1: but here's what happens in america this too shall pass and they just hope for the i call it the add of the american public you know it's one news story boom you know a shooting in charlotte big news tomorrow it's old news well, now what's next and we just kind of live with this and the politicians know and, and i i challenge folks we need to hold these folks accountable.
0: How do we do that?
1: We need to get better people to run and we need to start voting and we need to vote for the lesser of evil. Nothing will shake Washington. Like an outsider and I'll just say like Donald Trump being elected. Okay, because the reality is um look at all the Republicans, all the blue bloods, all former presidents saying, "Oh, I'm going to vote for him." You know what? They don't like their system being busted up. It's time for the American people to say enough is enough. It's time to basically break up what's already broken and not working.
0: Can a guy like you and I actually get elected to office?
1: No, we're not rich enough. Um, The reality is right now, a, a big national office, local office, sure. I mean, a few hundred votes, you can be on a county, city, something, absolutely. Nationally, you about have to be an independently wealthy person.
0: David Gibbs III with the National Center for Life and Liberty. Thanks so much for being an iWork for him today.
1: Honored to do it. Again, if we can serve anybody, attorneys on your side fighting for your rights in the workplace across America, ncl.org, or text the word liberty to 313131.
0: As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, it's fast moving. And, and you know what? If I offended you by challenging a vote, I'm sorry. I, I, we, as Christ followers, we got to stand up for America, stand up for the rights that we've been given by our Heavenly Father, bestowed upon us by our Creator. Ladies and gentlemen of the United States of America, welcome to the land of I Work For Him. If you'll live out your faith in the workplace, we can transform this nation. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, ultimately I work for him.